0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. If this is truly about safety, if this, if this is truly about taking care of the players, then we're not gonna play. Because the
1: presidents, the ADs, everyone has to say, what's the one way that we can pretty much guarantee, guarantee that we won't have a mass outbreak on a football team, or we won't have these long-term effects right now it's to not have anybody play football but the fact that there will that, that we're still sitting here going back and forth the fact that the heart condition came out and everybody was like whoa what's going on here it's from a liability standpoint no university no ad no president wants to be liable for a long-term effect when it comes to these kids and i get it i understand the season is on life support but if you're really going to do the right thing by these kids if you're really going to do what's right then i think they're either going to postpone it or cancel football Yeah, some of the new knowledge about the the cardiac impacts of coronavirus
0: are, are scaring folks off. corner oh. reports. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, S- S- Derek Williams from the Houston Texas defensive lineman, um had some heart issues now since testing positive in July. And then uh, Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez, Rodriguez. from the, the pitcher from the Boston Red they Sox. They shut him too. down, yeah. He had COVID 19. Um, he tested negative, comes back, and all of a sudden it was revealed that he had uh a, a inflammation of his heart muscle. I think yeah. it was. And obviously they shut him down because of that. I mean, he feels fine, but his heart obviously isn't 100%. So, yeah, I get it right now. We're, we're in a situation where we don't know everything quite yet about what results from COVID-19, what are some of the side effects, what are some of the aftershocks, if you will. And obviously heart issues could be one of
1: them. If Let me just ask you this in a quite simplistic way. If college football mm-hmm. made five hundred thousand dollars max mm-hmm. for each program, you know that, that was the high water mark. Not sixty, seventy million. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would it be canceled, and would there even be any blowback about it being canceled? From I'm sorry, like would it, would would college football be canceled now if if five hundred say the max amount of. Dollars earned was 500 grand. Oh, yeah. Would it? Would would we have already canceled the football season? And would there be this much debate about canceling the football season?
0: Obviously, money is the motive here, right? Well, that's certainly the motive of my question. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, obviously, I don't think there would be this much longevity to waiting to see if you're going to play or not. I think if only $500,000 was on stake, then yeah, you'd say, oh, sorry, guys, no season this year right because no one's no one's making a case right now and with all due respect no one's making a case for oh what about you know wrestling what, what about women's lacrosse what about volleyball like no one's no one's talking about that Brent do you know why cuz they're not making a lot of money simple as that. But my rebuttal to that would be people are still debating about high school football and
1: whether it should happen or not, and there's not a half a million dollars. Yeah, sure, there might be $20,000 on a Friday night in some places, but we're not talking massive amounts of money. We're talking important to the budget and stuff, but we're not talking about massive amounts of money, yet we're still debating it, and we have different viewpoints in high school football. So but would it be different yeah, in college?
0: No, but that's different. Man, that's, that's a whole se- that's a whole different genre. I mean, that's you're talking about high school athletics compared to college Athletics, right? Like, I mean, if you want to subset it, talk about college athletics, who's talking about volleyball right now? Who's talking about tennis right now? I haven't seen one volleyball thing, I haven't seen one tennis thing. Now, in high school, obviously, it's more football and things like that, but that's different to me, at least.
1: Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, listen, we know money's at the heart of this, all right? I mean, that's the point. We know money's at the heart. If you took the money away, would we still have debate? I kind of think we would. I think we would. Now, we might have more d- a conclusive decision, and people would be less uh, fearful of making a decision because mm-hmm. people are cert- – were just kicking the can down the road right now. We have been for months and months, mm-hmm. and even they're doing that in high school football here in the state of Florida, uh, in high school sports in the state of Florida. So money is definitely a motivator. All right, but I've got this myriad of questions about what's going on. Yeah. And one of my questions, and I thought about this today, first of all, last night on social media, after our TV show, Action Sports Shacks Primetime on Fox 30 and CBS 47, I was thinking about this more on the way home. And then later, I mean, shoot, it must, uh, maybe that's what happened. We saw Trevor Lawrence's tweets and, and more of them. And I was just thinking, man, the, the we want to play movement is a cool movement. It's it's I love the fact that players can speak their mind, share their opinion, unite in a voice and have the platform to at least have a say, because nobody is asking them. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to ask them Mm -hmm. how they feel. I mean, reporters might, but I'm talking about administrators and. Well, whether uh, the part I had a buddy on, on social media actually he used to play ball with him and he was said, Well it's like listening to your kids tell us what we should do. Some sometimes you got a parent, it was kind of his messaging, and I said, That's fine. But the kids want to play not because of motivation of money or anything else. The kids want to play because they wanna play. Hmm. And they bring up some good points in their little bubble, even though it's not truly a bubble. Are they safer than staying at home for the next three, four, five months, studying, working out on their own, going out, doing other things. Uh, Those are some of the points that Trevor Lawrence brought up. And does he have a point in some of those? Here's what Lawrence said. People are just as much, if not more, risk if we don't play. Players will all be sent home to their own communities where social distancing, highly unlikely. Medical care and expenses will be placed on the families if they were to contract COVID. Not to mention the players coming from situations that are not good for them, their future, and having to go back to that. Football is a safe haven for so many people. We are more likely to get the virus in everyday life than playing football. Having a season also incentivizes players being safe and taking all the right- Precautions to try to avoid contracting COVID because the season teammate safety is on the line. Without the season, as we've seen already, people will not social distance or wear masks and take the proper precautions. Now, I don't necessarily believe we can wholeheartedly say people in general won't do it. I think there are some that won't do it. But his point uh, again, I like the idea that Lawrence used his voice. Justin Fields and many others jumped in. Since yeah. then, today Joe Burrow has. I don't necessarily – I'm not saying I agree with everything Trevor Lawrence says. He's right. We should listen to Trevor Lawrence. He should run for president, and and we should elect him. I'm just saying they have a chance to use a platform and a voice, and he's got a strong one. And if the guy that has more to lose than arguably any college athlete in the country as the locked-in number one pick in next year's April draft, and what comes with that? A ton of money and a ton of everything else. Mm. He of all folks could easily say, yeah, and eh, you know what? I'm a, I'll see you in April. Mm. And he's not doing that. Instead, he has taken a leadership position. He's saying, "Hey, if nobody else is going to talk for the players, I'll talk for the players." Whoa. And then we'll unify everybody to talk for the players.
0: Well, I mean, let's be fair. I, I, I not just him, but people are talking. A lot, a lot of players are talking. I understand Trevor Lawrence has the most face, or the most Twitter followers and things like that, so he gets the most shine. But players are everywhere right now talking. It's just the fact that Trevor Lawrence, obviously, um, is going to get drafted number one next year, so he gets all this shine. Good for him, and I'm glad he's using his platform. But to me, it's not complicated what's going on here. Like I thought Trevor Lawrence put it very eloquently, the fact that you have a better chance of getting sick if you're back home in the community. You know what? He's probably not wrong there. He's probably correct. But what Trevor Lawrence is missing, and what a lot of people are missing here, is the biggest fundamental cog going forward of why this may not be working. It's the fact that the NCAA, team presidents of each college, or whoever you want to talk to, who's in charge, and I'll run the show, does not want to get their hands dirty if a kid dies. Yep. Okay? Because if, it, and I, as morbid as this sounds, I'm just, I'm a black and white kind of person here. I'm just trying to tell it like it is. If a kid dies in the streets back home in the community because of COVID nineteen, then NCAA is going to mourn for that kid. But guess what? They aren't taking responsibility. They don't have to. No, wear a ribbon. Yeah, because it it didn't happen on on their watch. Let's just say, for whatever reason. And once again, I am not going. What I am not trying to wish this on anybody. I want that to be at the forefront of this conversation here. It'd be horrible if this happened. But heaven forbid a kid gets terminally ill or uh, dies because of COVID nineteen while he's playing football. Well, then that falls directly on the NCAA. That falls on the university, and it falls on the conference and all that stuff. They want to wash their hands of that. That's to me. That's what college football bigwigs are afraid of right now, and that's why they're not going forward. Some conferences aren't right now. Aren't going forward with playing football this season. I get what Trevor Lawrence is trying to say, man, and it was very eloquent. It was great, but dude you got to understand what's going on here. They don't want to get their hands dirty. Well, and and by the way, they shouldn't in a lot of
1: regards want to deal with that because that's not just a today issue. That could be a 25-year-down-the-line issue. Talk about some of this heart stuff going on. Again, that's just information that's out there. We don't know. Mm -hmm. You don't know how this is going to pan out. You can sit there and say, well, look, I'll tell you this. Look at all the folks that have tested positive in big league baseball. We haven't seen one that get like super sick or ill or, or knocked out of for the season and that well Eduardo Rodriguez, I don't know if it's coincidence with not enough science yet to know uh, you know, with what's going on with him. Yeah. But if you take even who was it? Was it Freddie Freeman that, that had dealt with it mm-hmm. and said he had like a hundred and three or hundred and four fever? Well, he's back playing and hitting home runs. All those Marlins guys that tested positive they're back playing and, and doing fine. Saint Louis Cardinals, same thing. So that's what a lot of people are looking at, yet they don't want to think like a president would have to think or a coach would have to think or anybody in a leadership position would have to think because they, quite frankly, don't have to deal with that stuff. Sure. So, I mean, you got to separate the two, and that's why I do, and I've been saying this since the start of March, man, anybody in a leadership position, you can take how you vote and how you view and all this other stuff out of it. If you're in a leadership position in any position in this country – Today, whether it's sports, business, education, politics, it's a tough deal. I mean, it's not
0: one I envy. There's no, a lot dude, that I,
1: goes into it,
0: and it's on your watch. There's never, there's no way I could ever be that kind of position. I, I would never sign up for that regardless of how much money you make. I would never want to be in that position.
1: But nobody really wants to be in the position, but we all want to tell that position what to do based on what we want. And well, there's, a, there's a part of that is like we want to see college football on Saturdays. We
0: Correct. cover sports. We want sports. Well, so tell them to go play. Well, no, no, no. Listen, <laughs> and, and listen. I get what I'm doing. now. I'm sitting right here, and, I, and I'm commentating, but I don't have any solutions. So who am I to talk right now? Well, then let me go and give you a solution real quick, okay? Obviously, for this college football season to work, there needs to be some common ground. There has to be a common ground between the presidents of the university and the deans and whoever else, the big wigs of college football, and there has to be common ground uh, between the players. You have to meet halfway. That's the only way, especially for the Big Ten right now, where this is going to work. So I say... Whether it's CTE, whether it's something like that where the players accept the risks. You know, like as soon as I got to college, Brent, and I shut my helmet on for the first time, went to my first practice, I knew what was up. I knew like, listen, man, I could get hurt today. I mean, it's it's prevalent, okay? Like, I understand that you can get a concussion, you can you can break a bone, you can break a, a back, whatever. Like, you can break things. I understand that. I understand every single time I put my, my helmet on, my shoulder pads on, I accept the risks at hand, okay? Now, I didn't sign a waiver or anything, but I accept the risks. So with that being said, and when the whole Stan United campaign came out of the Pac-12 and other players around the country started to follow suit, What did they go against? They went against signing the waiver and said, we're not going to sign a waiver. You guys are responsible for us. There has to be some kind of common ground between the conferences and the players where, heaven forbid, once again, a college football player dies because of COVID-19. There needs to be some kind of waiver that says that player accepted the responsibility. And you know what? We feel horrible about it, but that's not on our watch. That's not our fault. To me, that's the only way we can go forward is if there's some kind of, once again, and it could sound messed up. Some listeners out there, I understand what you're you're hearing right now, and maybe some football players would be against us as well. But if you truly want to play, if you truly want to have this season, you have to accept the consequences. So I say you sign the waiver. Um, I think that if you get sick, obviously, medical teams can help you, you can have your back and universities can cover those, those kind of expenses because, let's be honest, the NFL has done this. The NFL has said that if a player has COVID-19, that's an injury, okay? So if a player has an injury, you cover those costs just like COVID-19 could be an injury. But I'm saying where if, if a player, for whatever reason, once again, it's morbid as it sounds, loses his life to COVID-19, that does not fall on the university and you have that waiver signed.
1: You know, I will say this. That was one of my first thoughts when I read the Trevor Lawrence stuff. Again, I applaud Trevor Lawrence. I applaud all the players for the we want to play. I applaud them using their platforms and all of that. And I've said this, and if you follow along the last 24 hours, I don't necessarily agree with everything. And I think it's deeper than just three tweets <laughs> and, 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 and statement on on that everybody used. Again, I, I applaud it. I think it's fantastic. I think uh, there's a lot of college football that needs to change. I think the power does need to be with the student athlete more than it has been. Mm-hmm. I've been consistent on a lot of those things for years and years and years. Uh, but I did think of what you just said. okay. We want to play. If I was an administrator, my next question would be, will you sign the waiver? Mm -hmm. We want to play. Will you sign the waiver? How bad do you want to play? And if you did ask that question, how many would say, I'm in? Or how many would say, wait a minute, we need these rights that we've been telling you about. We need guarantee that we're going to have our scholarship if we opt out, which, by the way, has become a thing. Anyway, that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, People are okay with that. But
0: these
1: this we all want to play football this season, establish universal mandated health and safety procedures and protocols to protect college athletes against Mm COVID-19 among all conferences throughout the NCAA. You can do procedures, but it doesn't mean you're guaranteed to protect anybody from COVID-19. I don't. I haven't seen anybody being able to guarantee that yet. Mm-hmm. Give players the opportunity to opt out, respect their decision. I think people are okay with that. Guarantee eligibility, Absolutely. whether a player chooses to play the season or not. That's kind of in place, essentially. The NCAA came out and said that. Use our voices to establish open communication and trust between players and officials. Ultimately create a college football players association bingo that's the one circle it it's down there at the bottom but circle it Mm -hmm. because they want an nflpa they want a college football college sports pa Mm -hmm. and quite frankly maybe they should have one yeah that's part of the likeness image stuff that's part of the underlying theme of this where is it in COVID 19 where is it in we should have more rights as student athletes if you're making those kind of dollars and asking us to kind of be pawns in the game Mm -hmm. of those kind of dollars so this is where I get to, finally, uh, the could Trevor Lawrence and others – but again, bottom line is right now Trevor Lawrence is the face of this thing because he's the number one pick in next year's draft. He's, the, he's maybe the best player in college football, mm-hmm. and he really has pushed this out that that it helped unify everybody, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Could Trevor Lawrence someday, if some of these things go into place and change, and especially – again, I don't want to go as far as unionization, but the power structure – Starts to shift toward the player. Could he become one of, if not the most important player
0: in the history of the game? Um, as of now, yeah. I mean, I think you know the, the the road to that could could very well go in that direction. And, and years from now, we to be talking about Trevor Lawrence, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of guys that changed the face of college football. I get that, but to me, there's other people afoot here that even have a bigger influence, that could literally change the whole game as we know it for better, not only for the game of college football, but more importantly for the student athletes. And to me, that's coaches, okay? If Nick Saban comes out and says, listen, guys, we got to get a union here. We got to start paying our players. If Nick Saban comes out and says that, dude, and once again, with all respect to Trevor Lawrence, because is, Trevor Lawrence is doing a great thing right now, don't get me wrong, But if Nick Saban, if Dabo Sweeney, if these well-known coaches come out and support the cause, that's a paradigm shift. That that will forever change the game because now it's not only players, but it's the the, the almighty coaches. You know, we always talk about coaches have way too much power in college football. They make too much money. Well, if they were to use that power and that money for good and support their players – I mean, and take the whole, you know, recruiting edge out of it where all of a sudden players are like, oh, look at this coach come out here down for the cause. I want to go play for him. Whatever. Say What do you want about that? Whatever. But I'm just saying when you got coaches like that, that come out, support the cause with all their power, that to me is what's going to change the game of college football forever for the years to come.
1: Isn't it amazing that it already hasn't happened in that respect? The college coaches have so much power, mm-hmm. yet they've gone kind of uh, lockstep with ADs, conference commissioners, and and definitely presidents. But is this actually? You know, again, it would be triggered by the players, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, all the rest. Even, again, I say Joe Burrow jumped in on this today because he's a great example. If he doesn't play last year and this pandemic is last year, Joe Burrow's life is changed. He doesn't get that opportunity to do that at LSU. Think about that. Yeah. So he jumps in and supports the players. But then... There's a lot of coaches: Ryan Day, Harbaugh, others. I think even uh, there's. I just retweeted a Saban quote where he said, uh, "We have around two percent positive ratio on our team since Fourth of July. A lot higher than that in society. So he's supporting the we want to play to some degree. Sure. It got the coaches to voice their opinion, kind of go against the college uh, presidents. Scott Frost saying. I don't care what the college, well, th- actually his president apparently voted to play, uh, but yeah. I don't care. Yeah,
0: it was Nebraska and Iowa. Yeah. Uh, I oh, don't know. Was Iowa, Iowa too? Yeah. Yeah. Iowa's, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: according to the report yeah. uh, from the Dan Patrick show. And this, he basically, Scott Frost saying, I don't care if you want to let us play or not, Big 10, but we're going to go try to find football. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go play in the backyard if we need to. Sure. So but I'm saying it's the players that have kind of jumped on board in the last 24 hours. And now the coaches are piling on. And finally, that vote of support, that support that not necessarily the support of unionization or more power or, or pay to play, but supporting that this could be the shift that we see. Mm-hmm. Forget about company line, because the university's paying me $8 million or we got to be in lockstep with the AD or the conference commissioner all across the country. We're not allowed to say the things we really believe in. Yeah. No. Now we're seeing a shift to potentially say, no, no, we support our student athletes. Mm-hmm. Like we, they need the more of this stuff. They don't need to just play. They need more. Yep. They need more power. You are using them to create big dollars they need this as opportunity as well. So we could be seeing it. We don't know. I mean, we don't know how it's going to land. I asked the question, could Trevor Lawrence be one of the most critical figures in college football history at the end of this? We don't know when the end of this is. That story might not be told some four or five years down the line. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the ways that college
0: coaches react and what they're starting to react to right now could go a long way in deciding. That. We're, and listen, here's the problem with Trevor Lawrence. He's only going to be around for another maybe year. Yeah. Okay. And yes, right now Trevor Lawrence is a great ambassador. And when he tweets, people are going to listen and people are going to rally around him. Don't get it twisted. I understand that. But Nick Saban, he's not going anywhere. Dabble Sweeney, he's not going anywhere. Uh Scott Frost in Nebraska will maybe be inspired in a couple of years. Yeah, he, might, he he might be going somewhere. But I'm saying they're in it for the long haul. Okay? They they're gonna see players graduate and they're gonna come and go. But the coaches are always gonna be there. So to me, You know, coaches have built the foundation of college football. They built the foundation of culture and they built the foundation of these big wig programs that draw in the millions and millions and millions of dollars. So to me, it falls on them to see this whole thing through, to take care of their players and to try to support them as they see fit.
1: Yeah. And uh, one last thought on that, as you're talking about it, is I'm trying to think like, okay, what do the coaches have? Like Nick Saban doesn't really have much to lose. Mm-hmm. You know he's got his legacy. He's been doing this for a long time. He's made a ton of money. He's got national championships. Now, you bring in Dabble Swinney. He's still got plenty to lose. He's got a lot of earning power still left. He's got legacy still to be built. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'd still be okay if he if he left the game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. Scott Frost or Ryan Day, they've still got a lot of earning power, all this stuff. So, my point being, because this is where I really think you can't lose sight of the Trevor Lawrence stuff is he maybe has more to lose than anybody else by playing, yet he's still advocating for playing. Like yeah. that's where I think the power in Lawrence is. Because he's the no doubt number one pick and he's got he could just sit it out till April and work with his QB coach and yeah. throw it and hit the weight room and stay healthy and all those things. He's got something to lose. But the coaches do have something to lose. They do have their eight million dollars to lose. They do have a legacy to lose. Uh, they lose a bit of ego in, in if if they go out on a limb here. So in that sense, with the Justin Fields and some of the big-time players in college football, they do have that as common ground. There is something to lose for the people talking right now, uh, and that's what it takes in my opinion. It, it, it doesn't do much to me. If it was just Nick Saban, I'd be like, well, yeah, but Nick's already made $100 million and he's got all these national titles. Is it really going on on a limb? Uh, fine. He believes in something. Good for him. Yeah. But when you really have something to lose and you're still willing to go there and put it out there and say, we want to do this. Uh, we, we could lose our current health because of COVID-19. We're risking that. But I could also lose my long-term earning power and other things. Yeah. I think that's
0: where kind of there's some courage involved in that. So let's rewind the clocks back here, probably three months now, okay? And let's go back to when the Black Lives Matter initiative first hit the front of college sports, more specifically college football. And what did we do? When a coach didn't, you know, support his players, or when a coach actually went against his players a little bit with the Black Lives Matter movement, we, we held the candle to him, we called him out. We held up receipts and said, this guy's not doing it right. Let's call this guy out. And we saw coaches get called out. We saw coaches get chastised on social media. We saw teams have meetings because of it. And for the most part, it seems like there was some kind of reconciliation between all those coaches. So we're fine. Then the Stan United thing came up. And then what were we doing? We're looking. Well, what coaches are saying? What what coaches are are supporting this? What coaches are speaking out against this? And for the most part, normally you know spoke out against it just because well the players quote unquote had so much power. Now we're to the point where we have players, obviously once again, using their platform, using their power for what? To play the game of football, okay? And to me, right now. And, you know, Scott Frost has done a great job. Ryan Day, I see you out there, man. Paul Chris, so waiting from you for Wisconsin, man. What do you got to say? Let's go. But my point is, if you're going to speak out now, Brent, this is the time to speak out and support your players. This is the time to get their messages, to try to find some common ground and support them. Because you know why? Regardless what you think about the Black Lives Matter movement, regardless what you think about the Stand United movement right now, this is a movement to play college football or not. This is everybody's livelihood right now. So you better come out and at least get the player's perspective and you better support them. Because if you don't, man, you will be called out. Receipts will be drawn.
1: Steve Lehman our buddy from Nashville, uh, just shared this from Tennessee. Uh, the Tennessee chancellor met with the team a short time ago. Uh, she tweeted... Uh, This afternoon, I met with our football team and staff to have an open conversation about playing football this fall. At the end of our discussion, I asked if they wanted to play football, and the answer was a resounding yes. Okay, this is the only thing I say about that. Of course they want to play football. That's like asking me if I want to go play 18 holes right now. I mean, yes, I do. That's not enough for me. Do Hmm. you want to play football and at what cost? at what waiver being signed, at yeah. what health being risked. It's it, And again, I'm sure some of those things were brought up. This is just a tweet. Yeah. But it's just not enough. The we want to play is a great idea. It's a great concept. It's just not enough. You can't stop it. We want to play. Mm-hmm. Of course you want to play. You love the game. You work your ass off mm-hmm. all year to play, to put yourself in this position all your life, to potentially get a shot at the next level or at least some kind of college football and earn a scholarship for most of you. Of course you want to play. We get that. Mm-hmm at what risk, yeah. at, at, with a waiver, with a this, with a that. There's other follow-up questions that need to go into that.
0: no, and then, the, and no then, it might not be resounding you have, when you ask those questions. You're absolutely right. But I do like the fact that they're actually there is dialogue with the players. Absolutely. That's good. I, yeah. I I love when the higher-ups are having dialogue with their employees. What I always say all the time on the show, whether it was the Tom Coughlin ordeal, Sidney wants 100% participation, or it's right now. I say the same thing. Once you stop relating to your employees – You've lost them, and then you've lost the business. So I like that news out of Tennessee. I, I guess, and listen, man, and this is just where I'm at, with Brent. And you know, and this is why I'm super frustrated with what's transpiring right now. I'm super frustrated with the Big Ten. I'm not saying they should play football. I think I don't. I don't want that misconception to be like, well, Austin Lane saying, well, they should play football. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we need to cover all our bases here, and we need to get on the same page. And here's why. When I was in college, I remember I used to sit in the cold tub at Murray State, and keep in mind it was a trough because we couldn't afford like a real cold tub, so it was like three troughs. So I would sit in this trough, and and across the wall it said NCAA Fair Play, and it was like a, it was like an endorsement for you know don't do drugs, don't gamble, and it said Fair Play in giant letters, and I saw that every single day, and I just I keep on going back to that sign right now as we're talking, where it's like Fair Play, Fair Play, Fair Play. Now. FCS schools probably getting shut down from college football, that's not fair, Brent, all right? You know, the the Mac getting shut down, the Ivy League getting shut down, that's not fair to the players, right? Because there's some players, regardless of what university is, that have a chance to go on and better their lives and play professional ball. And when you shut the, the programs down like that, that hurts their chances, Okay. And I think about how important my senior season was at Murray State to try to get me drafted, to try to make a better living of myself. And I can't imagine going into my senior year, having, you know, in the summertime, having trained my, you know, what off, having worked a 12 hour job every single day in landscaping in the hot sun to try to make a little extra money to support myself. I can't imagine someone telling me, you know what? You can't play this year. Sorry. I would be absolutely heartbroken. So my heart goes out to all those guys. But what I'm more concerned of right now is the D1 athletes, the, the, the kids at Wisconsin, the kids at Iowa, that right now aren't slated to play. And I look at the SEC, and I look at the Big 12, and I look at the ACC, and they're going to play. That's not fair. That's not fair in terms of guys getting drafted. That's not fair of guys trying to further themselves and further their career. It's just not fair. Like, it's not an even playing field anymore. Okay, And I get this doesn't really fall in the NCAA because every single conference does their own thing. But we're supposed to preach fair play. We're supposed to preach, you know, just and everything like that. And right now it's not. And this is what's driving me crazy is the fact that if you go through with this and the Big Ten's going to sit out and the Pac-12 is going to sit out. And all of a sudden the Big 12 and the SEC and the ACC are still going to play football. That's not fair play anymore. And that's the whole basis of supposedly what the NCAA was built on.
1: Well said. We'll see where it lands. Of course, those decisions still have to be made for the Big Ten, the Pac-12. Uh, it looks like there's a heavy lean that they won't play, but there's some pushback by not only players, coaches as well. There's some meetings scheduled for today, tomorrow, uh, and we continue to watch and, and see where it lands. As of now, the SEC looks like it's in the go zone to still try to figure this yeah. out. You know, the the one the thought is you can try this out on campuses for the next couple weeks before you play football games. The SEC is not playing until September 26th. Mm-hmm. That's some six weeks away. I don't know if you even need to make a decision right yet yeah. on that. A lot to still get into on that front. I, I've got another question on the college floor. I've had a list of questions. we will be getting into a bunch of it. What's so bad with playing in the spring? We're going to get to that in a little bit later. Coming up next, I've got the oddest of comparisons. Young <laughs> golf stars and NFL quarterbacks. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this, man. Agree or disagree after Colin Morikawa wins the PGA Championship. And, wow, was he awesome on the back nine. Uh, excellent Sunday of golf at the PGA Championship at TPC Harding Park. Leonard Fournette's talking. We'll get an update on what he's saying as well. It's all on the way on ESPN 690. Would I play? Me,
0: back when I was in college, I probably would have played, you know, cause I just love football that much. And then just me just sitting around not doing nothing is just gonna be like, man, what the hell? I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to get a job. I don't want to work. I mean, a lot of a lot of them kids, they go there to play football. So, but
1: I do understand just the whole health aspect, just because that this this disease does
0: affect different people in different ways. It could be impact someone's life, like seriously. It's so, it's so up and down, man, it's so, but for them to cancel the season, like I didn't, I didn't think they would cancel
1: it, but hey, safety first, and uh, I mean, football will always be here, but we just got to take care of ourselves first. That is D.J. Hayden, cornerback nickel quarter for the Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe the most underrated player on the football team, quite frankly. Uh, He's been awesome when he's stayed healthy and been in there. Uh, had a sensational season last year. Now he's going to be asked to be like the dad of, of that secondary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, uh, he's he's one of the old guys back there. The and elder. they need old guys. Yes, sir. Uh, he said he thought about opting out. He's got two uh, little ones and, and then decided to play. So yep. more from DJ Hayden. Leonard Fournette just finished up, had some uh, thoughts, and uh, we'll get into what Leonard Fournette has to say. Uh, one of the big stories today, uh, Yannick Ngakwe and uh, his agent parting ways. What does that mean? We don't know. Uh, Quite frankly, we had a whole discussion about it earlier in the show and we'll revisit it uh, toward the end of the show as well. Uh, Usually do FSU at four and we will, but four isn't done for another like 12 minutes or so. So I've got time. I want to just get into just a a little bit about Leonard Hamilton because they got another big time player at FSU. So we'll get into that in in a moment. But what I teased is Colin Morikawa wins the PGA Championship. You're not a golf guy. Did you have any fun watching that? Um,
0: You know what? It, it was all right, man. Like It was intri- it was intriguing because, obviously, the fact that there were so many guys buying for the leaderboard. So I was just like, oh, there's going to be, like a, what do you call it, overtime? That's not overtime. Sudden death. Sudden. Well, and what they do, actually, is uh, an aggregate score,
1: which means it's one of the unique ways to do it. And now they do it at TPC too for the players, but they would have played three holes, and the the overall score from those yep. three holes would win.
0: So let's go and call that sudden death because I can't say the other word you, you just said. No Aggregate. problem. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Go ahead, sudden death. So um, so with that being said, you know I was expecting like, oh dude, coming down the wire, here we go, sudden death, and all of a sudden, you know, this kid, <laughs> to say the least, uh, kind of comes and just dominates towards the end. So, um, I was intrigued by that a little bit. I'll be honest with you, Brent. Don't know who this kid is, all right? Don't know where where he came from. Don't know his story. Everyone's hyping him up right now. I don't know anything about him. Um And one other thing, too, is the fact that Brooks Kepka not making a lot of friends right. <laughs> all yes, right? You like that, don't you? No. I don't. Okay. So you know how I feel about the whole smack-talking thing, right? Like golf isn't professional wrestling and golf isn't MMA. So I really don't think people really care if Brooks Koepka goes trying to you know talk some smack. it was the Dustin Johnson, DJ, is that who it was? He was yep. talking, yeah. So Dustin Johnson, and they're actually buddies. Well, yeah, and, and regardless if they're friends or not, like when I heard that in the last hour, was like, dude, I don't care. Like, why are you even talking about this? Brooks Kepka, what are you doing? Dustin Johnson's a pretty dang good golfer, has more wins than you do, so why are you trying to hype him up right now? Like, to me, it didn't make any sense. He should have listened to the show last year when we did the, the Brooks Kepka <laughs> rebranding episode. He must not have listened to it. And to be fair, Brooks Kepka, man, you have the look, in my opinion. You don't have the personality. You have some of the, the accolades. Just be quiet. And go golf and win.
1: Yeah, he's almost a little too arrogant. Got caught up with it and then didn't play well. And so, uh, yeah, I don't. I'm I'm mixed bag on Kepka. I'm not in love with the guy. Uh, some of that bravado is needed, to be honest with you, in golf. Some of that back mm-hmm. and forth, some of the Dechambeau stuff. I don't necessarily embrace it and love it, but I think also it's needed. Uh, you need conflict. You can't. Everybody can't just get along mm-hmm. on the whole tour. Yeah. You know, you need some of that stuff. So it, it's okay. Uh, but also, I think when you say that stuff, you usually got to back it up. No, I wasn't necessarily wrong about DJ. DJ finished in second, didn't win, mm. but he was awful. Kepka was on Sunday, and that's just golf. That happens, but uh, here's my thought, okay? First of all, Morikawa was on, but two of the most clutch shots you'll see. This guy is an up-and-comer. People who follow golf know this kid's talented, mm. really talented. Uh, I found it interesting. I said uh, he didn't flinch down the stretch and hit two big shots, and my curiosity was, I mean, I wonder if just even the lack of buzz and fans there made it a little more easy going. And I actually went back and watched Paul Casey speak on Saturday, and he said something similar. He said, hopefully, he's like, I've been nervous in those spots before. Hopefully the lack of fans will kind of calm me down on the Sunday because he's a big advocate that he, he misses the fans. Yeah. But he said on this Sunday in contention, and by the way, Casey finished in second. So I don't think I'm out of my mind in saying that the fans would heighten it amp it up get mm-hmm. you juiced up where mm-hmm. you'd have to relax and while he might be unflappable he is human mm-hmm. and all players especially in those big spots sometimes they're so young they don't really it doesn't bother them mm-hmm. and we've seen that in recent years but sooner or later golf makes you think a little bit and any little doubt or any little distraction raises the stakes that was my point some people are like oh he's unflappable he doesn't get nervous he Doesn't get nervous okay great he ice water in his veins Uh, Yeah. So whatever on that front. But he hit two great shots, uh, especially. I mean, uh, two unbelievable, two epic shots, really, that will go down in in the history of golf uh, on that back nine, especially if he goes on to have an unbelievable career. But the thought that I had is he's 23 years old. And here we go again with another young guy. We've had the Ricky Fowlers and Rory McIlroys and Jordan Spieths, and we have all these conversations about who's going to be the next. Justin Thomas, by the way, in there. You can keep throwing the names in. The names are, are lengthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go all the way back to the Adam Scott days when he started to, to take the tour by storm. Uh, Jason Day gets a little older. DJ Brooks Kepka. Those guys aren't necessarily 22, 23 when they're winning, but they might be 27, 28. So there's this, young, who's going to replace Tiger and Phil and all this stuff? was always been the conversation. Bam, 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 bam. We keep getting these young guys. And the tour is full of young guys. And yeah. this guy, by the way, has been pegged as a next superstar kind of guy. No doubt. So here we go again, and we'll see. Now, Spieth hasn't won in three years. McElroy hasn't won a major, I think, since like 14. Yeah. I mean, these guys have had their struggles, too, and they haven't been able to just continue the dominance Tiger Woods had for such a long time. But it kept me thinking, it's like, is golf a sport where we see this cycle and revolving door of superstar more than any other sport? I mean, look, man, we've now gone from Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson in the late 90s. We're on year 20-something of kind of always having a star, maybe a couple years when Tiger got hurt, like 09 and 10. It's like, okay, where is that next guy? Then Rory comes along and boom, starts winning at 22, 23 years old. This is a sport that continuously seems – we're going on a – gen like
0: two generations worth almost of star yeah. players. See, and now obviously I'm coming from a different area here because I'm a casual golf fan. Set aside from you who are obviously super passionate and follow it, you know, w- with a microscope here. When you say the word star, though, like see, to me, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods are not in the same category. Not, no. not even close. Like Tiger Woods, obviously – is the guy. Ricky Fowler, yeah, star potential, but to me, and and listen, and Ricky Fowler, to me, a lot had to do with, you know, obviously being sponsored by Puma, wearing the crazy outfits. I think he kind of connected a little bit with a younger audience, now that younger audience is growing up, and they still follow him. Yeah.
1: Very cool. He'd be a bigger star, by the way, if he could win a major. He hasn't.
0: And this is my point. This isn't, this isn't the UFC. This isn't boxing. Like, you, you don't, Winning is everything here, okay? It's not like NASCAR. We have to be like this kind of this name. But you also have to have that, that attitude and get the good press conferences because, like, look at Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson won many championships, and nobody really cared about Jimmy Johnson, okay? Like, this is golf. If you win, you will become a star. If you keep on winning over and over and over again to find the odds, well, then you become a superstar. And, like, I think of golf right now, and I get it. It was Jordan Spieth going on his run for a little while. Right. And Roy McIlroy, this this kid. And once again, Roy McIlroy had more because to me, he's from a place where, you know, golf was technically invented, you could say, or close to it. And he's got the accent. He's very likable. Nice guy. But like, how much has he won lately? Like, to me, this next kid and it's Morikawa, right? Yep. Morikawa will become a star and he'll become a household name. You just have to win. You said have to keep on winning, and then people are going to know who you are. And that's the beauty with golf.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and so here's my tie-in, okay? Yeah. My question, is my thought is I'm relating them to NFL quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. My point being is we have said for the last decade, really for the decade, okay, Rory's the next Tiger. Mm-hmm. Justin Thomas, the next Tiger. Mm-hmm. Ricky's the next Tiger. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooks Kepka now we're comparing to Tiger. Uh, maybe even even De- Spieth, next Tiger. Now Morikawa, next Tiger. Whatever. And by the yeah. way, the next Tiger thing is old. And I don't even know if people are saying that as much because Tiger's still going and being somewhat competitive. But we have it's all these guys yeah. to say, "Bam!" this cycle of new players is tremendous. Well, it, the only sport I could think of is the quarterback position in the NFL right now. You have the Bradys. You had the Mannings. Heck, before that, you had Favre. And Mm -hmm. now you have Aaron Rodgers uh, at a certain level. But now look at this young wave. Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. You got Russell Wilson somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. It's the only sport I can think of that didn't go through this huge gap of finding it. The NBA has a ton of stars now. Correct. But they had a huge gap. There was. In between getting them. And, and like, Kobe was holding that over. Sure. But even – There was a good eight to ten year gap between Jordan and and I think even the superstardom of Kobe and Shaq. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll give you that. This seems like a revolving door in golf right now. And I would say it seems like a revolving door in the NFL. And by the way, we're going to talk a little bit later in the week or maybe even if we get to it today. There's a ton of young stars right now in Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. The question we always ask is, are they transcendent enough? Yeah. And I guess we're going to get to that question. Is Zion the answer? Greek Freak looks like the answer. Are there enough of them to replace
0: the latest star, which is LeBron? My question to you, Brendan, when we come back from the break here, is what golfer in the PGA is going to be in a rap song next because he transcends that household audience? That's my That's my question for you when we come back. <laughs> no, because, listen, I'm not even joking. Tiger Woods did it. Tiger Woods has in every single rap song for a while. What golfer can be the next guy to transcend?
1: It might be Colin Morikawa. i got a thought on FSU hoops. I guess it's going to be FSU at five today. <laughs> uh, that will happen next on ESPN 690. This is the story of
0: the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand.